Anyway, uh, should we get started, Mr. Bradley? Sure, I thought we had. Well, yeah, I guess we have really, haven't we? Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Anthony Price. And I'm Jonathan Bradley. And uh, today we are hot fresh off the back of a webinar that we've been doing on storytelling. Uh, we thought that it would be quite useful just to talk about the relevance yeah. uh, and importance of an organisation investing in storytelling and the art and science of storytelling. Just how important it is. Uh, and and the reason we thought we'd pick this topic today is, well, for a whole host of reasons, which we'll perhaps elaborate on in a few moments. But before we do, it would be rude, JB, for us to not at least um, tease the listeners with our world outside of, of storytelling. Maybe we could tell a few stories about our week that's gone by. We could. Um, we could. How's the life? How's the kitchen coming along? We, we have had listeners emailing in about your uh, your kitchen. Ah, oh, right. Okay. So um, where have I got to? I put all the units in. Uh, I've leveled them up and done my back in uh, in doing so. You know, you've got to pull, tweedle those little leggies underneath. And, and you've got and some you... broken towels from the old kitchen you've removed. Oh, yeah. my God. And then you've got to stand up and look at the level and then you have to grovel about again underneath and then go and check it and it's slightly out. And then you make the back one a bit higher and then you realise your front one's gone down. And then, uh, so my back, uh, honestly, it, it, I, it's knackered, absolutely knackered. Um, but it's nearly over. Uh, the units are in. The oak worktop is Ooh. down. Mm. Um, and uh, I've just got to stick a floor down, an oak floor down now. Mm. Um, and then I'm pretty much there. Nice. Well, I've, got, I've gone as far as I'm going to go for now. And um, I've said to the wife, she, she can do all the decorating. I'm done. I'm finished. <laughs> I'm an empty husk. I what have, about you, Ant? I have to tell you about um, my exciting weekend gone by. I know it's a while ago now. We record this on a Thursday for those of you listening um, to our podcast. Um, last Friday, JB, we had a birthday party, a virtual birthday party, because we were still in, we still are heavily restricted in the UK and what we can do um, due to the pandemic. Anyway, um, and we had a virtual race night where um, you all have this app which you download. And you then pick a horse. You you place it's you're given fifty whatever currency it is. You're given fifty pounds, dollars, whatever the number it's irrelevant. You're given fifty of these things you can spend. Ooh. And you can bet horses. Um so you all pick and then then whoever's in charge of the event night, which was my cousin in this instance, once the betting has finished, it then starts the race. And all it is is a pre recorded race from years gone by. And you then watch That's it. Brilliant. And it and it then runs the race and then it calculates who's won based on the odds and you can pick your horses. And basically you, you kind of weave this into your evening of conversation. So instead of having a, a Zoom catch up, it's a Zoom catch up with racing. So during the course of the night, it's six races. And that's that's kind of how you do it. So we kind of had six races, half an hour catch up. And then when the conversation starts to dry up a bit, then you do another one. And it, it worked. We ended up going to bed at one o'clock in the morning. You crazy, crazy kid. I know. How many races did you do? Six. There were six races, and six. and you can have up to ten people per or per ten household, really. So me and tempted to use real dosh. You can. So apparently you can, but um, and then you 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 pay it out at the end. Um, but it, that when, when, when you use real money, 
it doesn't do the odd system. It's just basically whoever wins the race then gets everyone else's that didn't win. And then it kind of accumulates, if that makes sense. But but there you go. It was all a bit of fun. Uh, that was nice. And then um, uh, my my oldest boy, um, I've got four children, the the oldest boy, uh, which I have three boys, had football matches. So that was that was the weekend gone by. Um, anyway, um, as you are all aware, ladies and gents, if you want to get involved in the podcast, you can email in your questions to globalleadershippodcast.gmail.com or our new email address, podcasts at seedle.com. And those questions come through to us. We do have two listener questions, which we will Ooh, do towards the end of this episode. But as JB said, um, we want to start with a story or do we? Oh, Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ah, ah, ooh. <laughs> um, uh, it's a private joke. You have to you've been on the webinar for that. So um, <laughs> it, it, it's funny, isn't it? Because I know so J- JB chose the topic for today, JB. Maybe you'd like to tell us a bit as to why you chose storytelling as the topic. Well, so um, I'd, I'll do that via mm. a John Steinbeck quote, if I may. Ooh. Because I read this and it, it got me thinking this is so so relevant. Um and I I I got it I've got it here. And um here it is. Stand by. Stand get my breathing get my breathing right. <sighs> we are lonesome animals. We spend all our life trying to be less lonesome. One of our ancient methods is to tell a story, begging the listener to say and to feel, yes, that is the way it is, or at least that is the way I feel it is. You're not as alone as you thought. Dramatic pause. Clock ticking. Clock ticking in the background. Is that yours or mine? Probably both of them in harmony. Now, what I like about that, and I think it speaks to uh, people during lockdown who were probably a little bit lonely. Mm-hmm. And you and I know quite a lot of people who didn't um, experience it very well. You know, it was a really not not so great time. And, and certainly in, in my experience, a lot of people felt the second or third lockdown was a hell of a lot more difficult than the first. Yeah. Um, I guess in the UK, of course, we had the weather against us in the third lockdown. Lockdown one last year was quite sunny, most of it. In fact, actually, it was a dry spell I'd seen in years. So we at least could get out into the garden and go for our daily exercise. But... Lockdown three was in the depths of winter and it lasted for four months and it was pretty grim. What I do you know what I wish I could capture all the all the stories uh that are now beginning to come out. Um, you know, people are being able to meet and be with their families, be at work. I I one of the most exciting things for me was to get to the pub with my other half and meet up with a whole load of mates the other day. And boy, the stories that people were telling, uh, they're locked up. So these people that I know, and I will not mention their names, um, but they had a they had a bit of a naughty party. Uh, yeah. 
in underneath the arches down by the harbour, uh, and the police arrived. And uh, I, I don't want to give the game away too much, but they but they all ran off, um, leaving the owner uh, facing the police. And I didn't know anything about this. So this is kind of the crazy stories that are coming out. I mean, uh, I, I, I've also heard some really tragic and sad stories. Yep. Uh, people whose marriages didn't make it through. Um, here's another thought. People who have remained married, who thought that they were going to break up before lockdown, but it's forced them into being with each other and facing some of the stuff that wasn't working so well. And now they're fine. And the other way around, like, okay, it didn't work through lockdown. It was awful, and I hate you. And now we're going to divorce now that we've got a chance. So people couldn't sell their houses. They couldn't get away from each other. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, I'm neither of those instances. I think um, <laughs> what's interesting, by the way, just going slightly off topic, I suppose, is the fact that um, my um, my travel has gone from being away, I think I was away 130 days in 2019 abroad with work, and probably 80 of them with you, probably. Yeah. Um, and uh, for the last year, we've done no travel, which has been crazy. Um, but anyway, all these stories that JB's referring to, it's funny, isn't it? Because in real life, we do tell stories. We go down the pub and we say what we've been up to. And ironically, we've been joking in my circle of friends that what are we going to talk about when we get up face to face? Because actually we have exhausted all of our stories when we've been doing our virtual beers, which we do once a month and I think one's due next week. But yet in business, <clears throat> how is it that people can stand up and do presentations and they never like to stray into storylands because they're worried that they'll come out with a David Brent moment. And for those of you that don't know who David Brent is, Google David Brent, The Office. And um, it's based on a, a situational comedy. It's not really. It's kind of an observational comedy, isn't it? Where this fictitious office manager called David Brent is one of the most awkward leaders you'd ever meet. He's not socially particularly clever. Um, very lacks self-awareness and tells the worst stories, which are probably nine times out of ten quite inappropriate. And the problem you and I have is when we sit in the audiences of someone that tries to tell a story badly, it actually scares us ourselves into doing it ourselves in case we have the same reaction from our audience. And I guess the question that me and JB wanted to kick around with the listeners in this episode is why is storytelling so important as a leader? Because if we're, and, and I know, me and JB, have, we, so JB's point, we, we've hot off the press. We're in the middle of four two-hour workshops with various people from around the world. We've got the Americas this afternoon, I believe, um, Bermuda and Cayman Islands and uh, the US and things all collectively. And these audiences are being told by their business, you need to tell more stories within your communications all of you stand on town halls, virtually or in person, and you don't inspire people. You come out with death by PowerPoint, endless sheets of paper, reports, data. And you can see for those in the virtual classroom uh, observing this webinar that JB's eyes started to twitch as I even mentioned the subject of, of a report-based presentation. And that's the problem is that we need to win our employees' hearts and minds. It's not just about the numbers. Um, and as we come out of the pandemic, our people, our employees are going to start considering whether they do want to continue working for you as a company. And therefore, if there isn't 
what's in it for me or how does this place make me feel? And if it is just about the numbers, I think we're going to struggle. And a lot of our clients also recognize they struggle because their business isn't necessarily good for the soul. Yeah. So I I think it goes back to the great leaders for me are able to communicate what's right for the business and do what's right for the business, uh, whilst at the same time communicating with the people within it and doing what's right by them. And so I think the capability of reporting uh, stuff that is important for the business is is a skill and it's necessary, it's objective, and it's full of tasks and full of uh, outcomes and measurements and systems and all. And that's important. It is important. Uh, but it's also important uh, to connect and engage uh, with your people more so now than ever. And there is a, a requirement to know and to focus and to value them and to damn well show that you do and to give them a damn good listening to. All of these things, uh, I think you and I have been uh, talking about now for, for many years mm. about the... Uh, the lack of engagement from senior leaders in some organisations with their people um, and the fact that they, the people don't really feel known, they don't really feel focused and they don't really feel valued. And what's your strategy to know and focus and value your people? I would argue strongly now that storytelling... Uh, is one of the routes uh, to really engage with your people and that no focus and value works both ways. Uh, if you know focus and value your people, you will be able to target and place a really fabulous story in their minds. If you don't know your people, mm. you don't value them, when you get up and you start um, trying out some empathy for once in your life, uh, it's not really going to land. It's going to look really inauthentic. Uh, so one of the things that we were talking about in these sessions was uh, you start with the moral of the story is. You know, sometimes um, people can go on and on and on with a story and you think, oh my God, it's going to be a shaggy dog story. It's going to go all over the place and it's never going to come to an end. I'm going to be stuck listening to this for about four hours. And at the end of it, if you get there, you say, and, and the moral of the story was? In other words, what was the point of it? I'm a little bit lost. I'm a little bit confused. So I think the moral of the story is a very, very good uh, starting point. And seeing storytelling... Not as this kind of, I don't know, tree-huggy weird shit that people do. Uh, it's actually ancient. It's yeah. an ancient, uh, you know, as Steinbeck was saying, you know, it's let's not be lonely. Let's let's get to, together around a fire um, and, and have a damn good conversation and celebrate the rituals, the values... Um, you know, reporting back on the fantastic hunt that we did uh, to bring down that great big buffalo um, and sharing it and the trials and tribulations of, 
of getting it and hunting it and bringing it home and you know how we lost um you know one of our people when it got skewered by um a, a <laughs> buffalo and eaten by a tiger i'm embellishing now and he's he's I'm meandering Oh my God! I'm breaking one of the rules. Yeah. I'm meandering off on a on a. See, those are little I thought, stories. I thought all you in did that by right. design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sorry. Yeah, of course I did. But uh, I did. what's amusing is JB, and, and you and I talk about this with some of our our delegates on on our storytelling programs. Which, by the way, um, you know, talk to us at Seedle if you're interested in having one of those for yourself. But, um. I talk about in this program about the fact that actually if you've ever watched X Factor or Pop Idol or these reality TV shows or and there's a, there's a new one come out in the UK and the like I say it's new it's probably been about 5 6 years now and time's flown by there's another program called First Dates which is where they literally use a profile matching and put film people on their first date really nice but on all these programs what captures the audience is the backstory and arguably, Popeye, Lex Factor, all these different reality TV shows, if the, um, what do you call them? The uh, the participant, the, the candidate. Contestant. The contestant, that's it, sorry. If the contestant hasn't got a big, good backstory, they never seem to get very far. Um, or if they're really talented, the producers of that program will probably say, right, we need to build you a really good backstory to really capture the audience's imagination. And, and and I go back to my previous point. We, we've had a number of people say to us in these programs, I am petrified of public speaking, but I, I can hide behind a PowerPoint. I can hide behind a script. I can hide behind a report because that's my comfort zone. But talking to work people from the heart, pff, come on, that's I'm not comfortable with that. It's quite scary for people, isn't it? Yeah. And yet, um, we're finding. And, and yet, ironically, in the so me and JB, when we do these programs, we do these as roundtable conversations. So about half of it is actually let's have a discussion. And the irony is, is that when we're having the discussion and there is no script or there is no audience, despite the fact that there is the same audience that they're ultimately going to present to later on in the program, they can happily talk very comfortably and naturally because they have a point to make, a moral, and they want to articulate it. And one thing that JB's um, made which I think is a really good point is that actually you don't want a script you need a structure absolutely absolutely and uh, in that that for me that was a game changer mm. and I think there's lots of little game changes actually and I and I think if you have a structure uh, for for a story or a conversation actually um, it, it can it can be something that you can practice and get really good at and it's, it's weird, isn't it? If you've got a structure, I find that you you have the confidence to be unstructured. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like I can I can be a bit more ad libby, and I can build in a little bit of an extra bit, and a, and I I can be a bit more flowy, a little bit more free flowing, because I know I'm on this structure. I've I've got this plan, and I'm going to deliver the plan. I'm going to deliver the structure. And I'm going to embellish and I'm going to put bits and bobs in there like I didn't last time. I'm going to do it this time because I've got some fresh material. Keep the structure the same, but play around with the content a bit. I like that a lot. And and it's funny. So me and JB talk in, in our wider programs of the importance of structure because the beauty of having structure and not a script is it does allow you to be. So JB joked about this science and this art of, of storytelling and public speaking. 
But the beauty is, is the science is the structure. The art is then is then putting the meat to it. I hate sitting in a presentation, whether it's factual or a story, where it is a slide full of words and you literally have the presenter back to you and they're literally reading the script from the slide. Well, I'll tell you what, you can be quiet and I'll read it myself, thanks. In Absolutely. fact, that might be better. I'm going to stand here, have yeah. a read of that and then we're going to have a conversation about it. That might be a better way of doing it. But, but unfortunately... The script that you've written may have been written from the heart, but how does it sound from the heart unless it is literally verbatim and it's just a way that you... And you are totally comfortable and natural in reading scripts. Now, I can tell you that I am no um, um, Tom Hanks <laughs> grabber, an actor out the air. I'm What's not an outstanding actor. Very good actor. Oh. Um, and therefore... The only way that I would make any story that I would tell to be authentic is to have some markers that I need to cover, some guidance, and then just talk like we did in the roundtable conversations. But forget the fact that everyone's listening to me and it's an official speech. Actually make it no different to when I was having that roundtable conversation. And actually, do you know what the funny thing is, JB? I bet if in, if we had the time, which we never do in these programmes, not on the podcast, but in these, some of these programmes, wouldn't it be interesting if we actually dedicated two hours of, why don't you tell you a story about your childhood? Yeah. Have a think for a couple of minutes. Yeah. Tell us a story about your childhood. And I would imagine that the audience would come out with some absolute doozies of stories. You know, or you ask them a question about, tell us a time when. I think getting, getting um, people... Uh, back to their uh, childhood and and remembering what it's like to be a child and being curious uh, and you know what what really kind of got you when you were little what what were the stories that you remember being told um, and I kind I can remember people who influenced me massively uh, and there were only a few at school it, it took me about 30 years to recover from my education but I can remember one fantastic teacher called Mr. Goodwin, uh, who was able to describe the trip um, that the Vikings made uh, to land in the UK. And he was a woodwork teacher. So for me, he, he excited me with the idea of raping and pillaging, um, along with how they actually made the boats to make the trip and how big a deal it was uh, when they did that. Uh, and it, it's that kind of stuff, you know, teachers who told really great stories leave great impressions. Hmm. Why should work be any different? Why should the workplace be any different? It should be a centre uh, for remarkable and brilliant storytelling. That's a great metaphor, actually. <clears throat> I think if we all think about our best teachers in our childhood, they weren't always the subject matter expert. They probably weren't the most academic of maths or history teachers but what they did was made it such an exciting story that you wanted to listen to them i was useless at geography at school until i met my favorite teacher mr walker who only retired five years ago and i happened to be at a school reunion and i managed to contact my old school they used to, it was a private school so we used to go to school on a saturday so we all got together for a saturday lunch and i managed to get convinced the school to get one of the sixth form students, the kind of 18-year-olds, to give us a tour of the school. And as we walked around, we happened to bump into Mr. Walker. Huh. And he was all of our geography teacher. And um, I actually said to him, you inspired me to to do what I do now. And I was I was just starting my career in, in training at that point. 
And he said, really? You know, how come? I said, because it wasn't what you taught. It was how you made it exciting and interesting. And he started to well up. And I was like, bloody hell, you know. And he used oh. to be this scary. And he wasn't a scary, actually. He, but he, he had authority. But what he did is he brought the subject to life with metaphors. He made mm -hmm. it engaging and he made it interesting. And I think that's where many leaders get it wrong. They lead with the subject rather than the, the you talk about the, the, the people and the business. And I would say head versus heart. And I think too often technical experts rely heavily on the brain without really engaging the heart. And if we want to be a successful people leader, even if we're not naturally defaulty hearty, you're going to need to do it. And if we look at these best leaders, if we look at, you know, the leaders we hear about all the time, you know, the Richard Branson's, the Steve Jobs, um, I'm trying to think of some other names, um, you know, um, these people are great storytellers um, and they may have an interesting subject, but they bring it to life with, you know, I bet you can remember this and I think about a time when that and all of these things are great theatres of the mind. But JB, I was going to ask you. Um, I know where we I will go with this, but I'm keen to get your thoughts first. How has radio, because for the listeners' benefit, me and me and JB worked in commercial radio, um, him for, for I believe, part of a century and me for over a decade. Um, <laughs> how has radio shaped your ability to tell stories now as you do so well? Well, uh, I, I, well, that's a really good question. And I think radio in itself is a story that I like to tell. And uh, it, it, it was a place where I, I found myself and I, I found my capability, my communication capability in radio. And where so much of it is about voice, and, and the management of voice and the impact that one voice can have uh, over so many. And uh, the 9-11 uh, disaster crisis uh, was the most extraordinary event uh, that I have ever uh, experienced. And I was in Bristol at the time running uh, a, a couple of radio stations, but this one um, story that I want to just talk about was when that started to happen and the news team rushed into my office and, and said there's been an absolute um, catastrophic event in New York and I leapt out of my chair and went to, to look at the footage in the news department. Um, and we knew this was massive we knew this was a massive thing, but the, the most important thing we had to do uh, was to articulate it to our audience and to get our response to it. And when I say our, not the, not necessarily the radio station, but what was the listener response? Uh, how were they feeling about it? Because a lot of people uh, actually had relatives in New York. And in fact, we had some people who had relatives in the building. Uh, and so we instantly dropped the normal broadcasting that we were doing and uh, we appealed to the listeners to to speak up and before we knew it uh it seemed like the whole of the whole of bristol uh was 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 on air with us and they were sending texts they were sending emails and so we decided to um create a, a cd at the time and a book 
uh, of all of their wishes that they wanted to communicate to the people of New York. Uh, they wanted to speak to the kids and to reassure them. So they so they wrote all the kids wrote to the kids of New York. We got all of this stuff into the schools uh, and um, played. We got the the CDs played out in New York. That just shows how old I am. And it, it, it acted as a channel for people to communicate. And I'm telling you that because uh, radio gave me that. Uh, there, there are many other things that happened whilst I was in radio, like Princess Di's death. And, and these are all awful things, but there were great things too uh, that, that enable people, uh, a few, to talk to so many and make so much change happen and for the meaning of things to be created as a result. That's what radio did for me. For me, um, <clears throat> so uh, ironically, I started in radio when I was 17. So I, but I was a mere T-boy when Diana broke. But I do remember how powerful people went to their local, you know, back in the, the late 90s. The only way to get news really was through rolling news channels, which had only just started to kind of exist. I think, in fact, BBC 24 was only 97, 98, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so there was rolling news on a lot of these these channels and, and same 2001. Um, but for me, what radio has taught me about communication and storytelling is that the radio presenters, I don't like calling them DJs because none of them jockey discs anymore, <laughs> um, is how they can talk to the listeners as if you're the only person in the room. I know there are some people listening mm. in our live um, audience now, and there will be people listening to this, you, I'm talking to you, that's right, you, mm -hmm. in your ears, we're talking to you right now, and we and the presenters want you to feel that we're talking to you and you alone. And ironically, sometimes the big audiences would scare you, but ironically, it's no different. You're talking to one person and that's what you need to have in your mind. But what radio taught me was that you don't have PowerPoint. You don't have a flip chart. You don't have visuals. You have only one tool and that's your voice and what you project with your voice to the listener. And what do you want the audience that you're talking to? What do you want them to think, feel and do? Which I know something JB's talked about. And, and in radio advertising, they would say as a result of this advert, what do you want your listener to think, feel and do? And theatre of the mind, for me, is very powerful in speech. Radio does that. And if you listen to some really solid, I mean, there are some awful radio adverts you can hear around the world. Um, but in the UK, they have a what's called the Radio Academy Hall of Fame. And... Any adverts that won multiple awards for the brilliance of their advertising would be featured in this Hall of Fame. And one thing that's consistent in every one of those adverts is the ability to conjure up the imagination of your audience that hears that advert. Whether it's the sound of crashing waves that can give the audience the impression you're by the sea. You know, you couldn't do that on television without a huge budget. But with radio, you can do it with a couple of soundtracks or a microphone on a beach. But theatre of the mind is so incredibly powerful. And I think if I could tell anyone listening to this podcast that is a leader, listen to some really solid radio presenters and release yourselves to them. So tune out from anything else because radio is very good as a secondary 
But if you listen to speech radio or you listen to um, a presenter that you're really fond of, um, listen to what they do when they're reading out messages or they're telling a story. They have to use the theatre of the mind. And I think if you and I as leaders are doing virtual town halls, we need to start treating our webinars that we are a presenter and our audience are our listeners. How good are you at building a scene in your audience's mind so much so that they're on a journey with you? My final point before I hand back to JB is actually, I think, if anything, of this pandemic, you may find there are some naturally brilliant radio presenters that are being discovered due to them now becoming broadcasters in their home through talking to their teams and their people. <laughs> well, and, you know, I think so many leaders have actually been forced uh, to do a little bit of eyeball to eyeball contact virtually or, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, that they didn't really do before. I, I know um, people who, uh, you know, lead organisations who um, didn't really do technology. They didn't really do Zoom uh, and stuff like that. And they were forced into doing it. And now they they, they won't go back. You know, it was it's really important for them to uh, be able to communicate mm. through uh, things like Zoom and Teams uh, and I, I, I think that's good news. I think that's really good news that people are learning to do that. And I, and I think they're learning uh, that, you know, just doing a report on uh, Zoom and telling people how it is, is not good enough. That's one thing that you, you should be able to do. And in the webinars that we've been working on recently, we've we've been looking at the difference between a report and a story. And, you know, the, the report being the thing that informs people about stuff to do with the business. Um, and the, the stories uh, are there to inspire, to influence, to persuade. Because if you don't do that, then you're expecting the people in your business uh, to inspire themselves, to influence themselves and persuade themselves about whether they want to stay. <laughs> That's a hell of a risk yeah. that you're taking um, by not learning to tell stories that are, you know, about the human dilemma rather than the work dilemma. Uh, it's a it's a human thing that's really really important you know the differentiator is that a report delivers facts and a story presents ideas you know these are these are the these are the big differences and i i was really struck by what you were saying there about radio and um god we can't we can't get enough of radio can't help it can we but it, radio's it, moved on in terms of how it broadcasts but the the, what it does the, for its listeners is never change, is it? The, the essence is that. And I, do you know, I've had, a bit, from you talking about it and putting it into context like that, I had a bit of a eureka moment, Ooh. I think. Really? Is that going uh, yeah. to the blinder file? Well, I don't, I could oh, be, Anne, but okay. it, it, it's kind of like, um, so news, traffic and travel, weather, possibly sport, uh, all go into a report. We even call them a traffic and travel report. We even talk about them being, and now over to Anthony Price for the latest weather, Anthony. And then you do the weather. Hmm. The, the DJ um, 
sorry, the presenter, <laughs> um, then picks up and does the, I'm talking to you. No, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. And I want to know how your day is. Uh, and that's very personal and it's intimate. Uh, that relationship between the presenter and their listener is actually quite an intimate thing. And that's when they're good at telling stories and getting that kind of emotional engagement. What do you think? That's that's when you said that, I was thinking, oh, my God. So we really need a business, an industry, an organisation to think you you are basically a radio station. You're doing reports on things and you're also doing intimate things. That sounds a bit dodgy. But you're doing yeah, no, people. Yeah. You're doing people things and people from childhood, babies, love stories. Why would you deprive people the opportunity of being inspired, influenced and persuaded? Don't leave it to them to do it on their own because they will go and find somewhere else where they will get that. Yeah, it's cool. Story time is still a key part of the curriculum for up well, to 10 years. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now you've given me a Eureka. Okay. And let's think about your wife for a second, who <gasps> is a journalist. Yes. And the newspaper is a combination of reports and opinion. Mm-hmm. So maybe in newspaper metaphor, um, the storytelling comes from the opinion and the supplements and the reports come from factual evidence of things. So, you know, that, that would be my take. Anyway. Sorry, my, my wife's waving me through the window about something. <laughs> um, she just you've, you've mentioned my wife. Now she wants to be mentioned in the podcast as well. Why aren't you mentioning me, she's thinking. She's asking um, where the potty is. Okay. So uh, for, for our listeners, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old who's obviously just decided to announce... We have four children, so we've kept the potty from the previous one. So I believe... Um, she's now going to the garage to find the potty because he's obviously just claimed that he wants to go for a wee on a potty. He's been a bit slow. He's got, not been bothered. He just goes, no, I go on my nappy. So, no, thanks for that. Oh, that old chestnut. Yeah. And I, I really like the idea of this of this metaphor, JB. I'm conscious of time. We need to get to listeners' questions. But is, if, there, if you were to give our audience one or two hints and tips to take storytelling um, as a area for them to think about off the back of this podcast what would be your killer tip or two okay um right number one uh outcome first and the outcome that you want uh is for you not to have to describe the moral of the story at the end of the story uh for someone to actually have that in their head uh as they go away Uh, i get the moral of the story uh it, it, that's your starting point to sow into the mind of your audience the moral of the story that's your starting point the other is to uh, make sure that you have a clear structure uh for your uh story uh your starting point uh the thing the catalyzer uh the conversation or whatever it happens to be that makes you go oh do you know what i need to change direction um then then that leads through a whole load of trials and trepidation and events and things to bring that woolly mammoth home 
then you realize that you can do this and it's happened and you can do it again and it's a game changer and there's lots of learning from it and then you bring that back into the context of the organization. Um, there's lots of different types of structures but I quite like that uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a really good basic structure. The other thing, uh, my fine point on that, is uh, make sure that you understand the difference between delivering a report and delivering a story. Yeah, nice. I, my killer tip, think about your structure. Um, even as a starting point, think about a beginning, a middle and an end. And as JB says, you need to connect the report to the story. You know, if you're if you're talking about an ambitious growth plan, tell a story about something in your personal life where you've had an ambitious goal and how you went about it. And that brings it back to the ambitious growth plan. So I think that for me would be the the, the, the things. Now, interesting, we've got two listener questions from our um, from our email, um, globalleadershippodcast.gmail.com or podcast.seedle.com, either or both work. Um, and one of them I particularly like because I think we could probably turn it into a storytelling exercise. Um, if you're in the audience, if you want to ask us a question, now's the time to ask. You can use the Q&A panel and you can mark it anonymously if you wish. But please remember, if you don't mark it as anonymous, we will name you. So would you like the fun question first or second, which is the opportunity to do a story? Let's 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 finish with a bit of fun okay. and go whatever this one is. Does it mean it's deadly serious? Not that much. No, it's just a factual question. So I don't know the context of it. This is from Carly in Cambridgeshire, United Kingdom. And uh, her question is, how much life experience do you believe a leader needs before they can lead? What a marvellous question. Yeah. Let me have a crack at it because wow. I've, I've, I read it this morning and then we've been flat out since, but I've had a chance to reflect on it. So I'll let you reflect while I have a go at it. Um, and okay. I'm going to have a go at it because I haven't really had chance, much chance to think about it. Now, um, JB and I would talk about there are three types of persona to be a successful leader um, because a leader also needs to be a manager sometimes and they also need to be a coach sometimes. And therefore, the question, and it is worded leader, not manager uh, mm -hmm. or managing people. It just says, how much life experience do you need before you can become a successful leader? Um, and it's tricky because I was a people leader on paper at 18 years old. In fact, I was the claim to fame. I was the youngest ever um, duty manager for Tesco Superstores at 18 years and four months old. And I was in charge of an entire store, which was still operational, uh, including its staff. But was I a great leader? No, I was probably awful. But I, what I was given is here is the emergency procedures if there is a fire and all that sort of stuff. And as soon as the shop shut at seven o'clock, here is the evening fulfillment plan, which you need to make sure that all the people are in the right aisles and putting the right things from the warehouse on the shelves and cashing up and things is done by X, Y and Z. So... On paper, I could say, well, I was a people manager from 18 years and four months old, but leader, pfft, no chance. I think for me, and again, I don't want to try and blow smoke up my ass. I would say even now I'm still learning new things that would refine me to be a leader now. Um, but I do think academically you can't train leaders they need experience and, and i think that's what you're talking about because life experience was the word you chose 
So life experience inside and outside of work, I think, is of equal importance because ultimately for you to bring your audiences alive, you need to tell them a good story. And therefore, stories tend to require experiences to do that. That's my take. JB, what about you? Well, I, I, I like the idea of uh, life experience and I'm going to put on uh, another bit onto it. I'm going to bolt on lifelong learning. And uh, lifelong learning for me uh, is about the most exciting thing uh, I, I think we have available to us. Y your learning doesn't stop at university. Uh, you know, it, it actually carries on through. But I guess for me, what is that learning all about? And I think it's about uh, self-awareness, doing the work on self. And th that doing the work is, you know, thinking about, you know, the opportunity to achieve your potential in lots of different ways. Um to, to, to deliver the performance of your life. Uh, you're born, you die. In between is your, the performance of your life. What is it? What do you want it to be every day? Uh, what, do you, what do you need to learn uh, in order to get towards those things that you want to be as a person? Um, and then I, I think when you learn to, to love that and you feel that you like that person and you, you feel good about that, you, you're, you're up for actually being more aware of others and, uh, you know, what, what, what you can learn from, from other people and to be really genuinely interested in, in their take, in their lives and their potentials and the interferences that get in the way of them achieving it. So aware of self, aware of others. And then there's this noticing, the noticing of things, the changing of the seasons, the changing of the guard, the changing of the nappies in your case, the changing of things that go on in life and actually just taking a step back sometimes and being able to notice it. I am getting to my point and my point is this, uh, I don't care how old you are, I don't care whether you're 20 or whether you're 70, if your attitude is towards learning self uh, and learning from others and helping others to learn, and to observe and to notice what's going on around you and be able to report that and to be able to tell stories about it, I'm in. I don't care how old you are, I will follow you uh, wherever you go if you do these things. Interesting. It's funny because I know um, in some industries people obsess about their technical skills being the mandates to lead um, and unfortunately um, those are the leaders that most commonly fail um, you know look at the prime example a sports uh, sports person you know a very successful footballer doesn't make a good football leader um, in the same way a lawyer or an accountant doesn't necessarily make a great manager of leaders and accountants um, I know that I was overpromoted as a salesperson because I was a great salesperson. Well, in that case, we make them a manager. They can simply manage the the the, the everyone to do the same as them. Well, that's not how it works. Mm. Um, but I definitely think you're right. Humility and some of those other key recipes of of trusting people's integrity and intentions is 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 a key part of of respect and credibility. 
Ready for the fun question? Ooh. Go on then. What object, um, this is from Sally, um, also in the UK. Um, what object have you had in your offices since you've been a leader, which you can talk about now? Don't ask where this question's come from. Uh, and I obviously saw this this morning again, and I have an object. And there is a story I can attach to it, if you wish. Well, you better go with yours, because I'm trying to think I mean, you got what a book my object or, is. You've you got paintings and all sorts. I mean, I thought you'd... This oh, I see. <clears throat> so, okay. th this one for me... So I've had this now. I carry this around in all my offices. I've, I kept, so, I, so what object do I have in all my offices? I've had this since 26 when I first... Well, actually, longer than this. So I got this for the benefit of the, of the podcast audience. I'm holding up a Discman a CD, portable CD player. Um, and I've always kept this. I use it as an object in my training as well. The reason this is relevant to me is because this um, is the first thing I bought with my first proper paycheck. I had paper rounds and things. But when I got a job at, um, in a supermarket part-time at 16 years old, my very first paycheck, I wanted to go and buy this. And I've kept it ever since. And look, there's even a scratch in it from a girl I was seeing at 17 who threw it across the room. Oh, God. Yeah, didn't stay with her much longer. Dramatic. But anyway, that's my object. Um, and, and what does it mean to be as a leader? It doesn't actually mean anything, but symbolically, it's always reminded me that I had a goal. And the first thing I wanted to do when I got a job was to be able to buy a Discman. And ever since then, I've then thought, right, what's my next thing I want to buy? And I, I then moved on to speakers. And JB knows I'm big into my audiovisual stuff. So for me, it's a reminder that I always strive to go for my goals. That's the object and I've tried to weave in a story now deliberately based on our episode today, Mr. Bradley. Well, I am looking, I'm scanning my bookshelf behind this screen here. Um, I've got a, a great big bookshelf and somewhere, I can't flipping see it now, but somewhere in my bookshelf is the most brilliant little book. And I think you're going to think you might know what it is, but I don't think it is, Anne. Is it not that I think one? It is. It's not the. No, it's, it's not, not that. It's, it's not, not your mate, Mr. Galway. No, no, it's not Mr. Galway. But I mean, in that second, um, not in importance, but I can tell you that the twenty-two immutable laws of marketing by Al Reese and Jack Trout has been with me since I became a manager of people a long, long time ago. I mean, it was about 150 years ago. And that little book... Marketing for Victorian experts. <laughs> yeah, that little book, The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing by Al Reese and Jack Trout, had a profound, very profound effect on me as a young man. Um, and still, I go back to that book. Uh, because those laws still stand well today. See, I, I share your passion for that book. And I remember um, another girl I was dating when I was about 26, 27. UKRD period, actually, JB. And um, she was a marketing director of a company. And she hated that book and said it's absolutely got no base of reality whatsoever. And she was really quite passionate about it. But it turns out that she really wasn't very good in marketing by all accounts and she got fired <laughs> shortly afterwards. Oh, oh, did she throw you that um, no, no, CD no, no, player at you no, as well? No, no, That's no, another no. one. I'm pleased to say that none of the ladies can, that I've mentioned previously, actually I'm still in touch with one of them. Um, but um, but did she dump you or did you dump her? The CD Discman girl. 
No, no, the other one. The book girl. Um, or the anti-book she, girl. She dumped me. She dumped you. She yeah. threw the book at you. She did throw the book at me. But she made there's me a, the man I am today. Yeah. There's a trend here with your... I dumped, your, your I dumped, white, I dumped you, the Disman thrower. Ah, uh, you, you, th- you threw that, did you? No, she threw it at me. Ah. But then I ended the relationship. Not that particular evening. But but was that the tipping point for you when she threw the discman? I'll, at I'll you? be honest. I was very upset about her throwing my discman. Um, but she did. Have did a bit it of did it land on you? No, it has a scratch on it. It landed on the floor. That's quite violent, isn't it? Yeah. Don't know where she is now. She might be listening. Hi. Um, we do need to do some <laughs> shout outs, by the way. Um, Anne Sophie. Um, ah. uh, did say that she does still listen. Um, Sam, sing- surprise, surprise. Yeah, Sam still listens as well. Um, yeah. uh, there's another one, Dustin. Um, uh, hello to Dustin you. Dustin Hoffman. Uh, close. I think his name was inspired by Dustin Hoffman, um, but his name is Dustin Acton. So hello to you, uh, another listener. There was someone else that messaged me saying, I do listen to your podcast still. Hello to Dirk. We should. Dirk, Will we, you stop we, saying still? Like, you know, it's like a trial well, to continue are, to listen to it. I think we're, we're, we're nearly, we're, what, 20 months in now to our podcasts. Um, so, you know, it's it's kind of. Yeah. Do you think we should carry on? Do you think we should still keep doing this? Well, do you know what? There's never been a week where we've not had something to talk about. <laughs> it's bizarre, isn't it? I, I, mean, I love doing it. Even if we didn't have any listeners, I'd still like just doing good yeah. old, you know, old-fashioned chit-chat. Our download numbers are really good. And obviously, now we've got the live audience, it adds an additional spin. But I can tell you that no one in the audience, live audience, has submitted a question this week. You're obviously here. Hello to you in the audience. Just to, Hello. to, to in, enjoy and embrace... <laughs> What is the podcast? Anyway, if you do have a listener question, globalleadershippodcast.gmail.com or indeed you can find me and JB on social media. Um, Lead, learn, pod, I think it is on Twitter and just search Global Leadership Podcast or search Seedal um, and Seedal obviously directs you to the podcast. You can also sign up to be in the audience if you're listening on the podcast. You can be in the live audience by registering on Seedal.com. Just search podcasts and then look for the leadership one and you can join me and JB. We record it 12.30 UK time each Thursday, which I think we've now scheduled up till the end of July to always be on a Thursday. So, of course, if you're listening to this in the year 2050, you'll recall that JB and Ant were legendary in leadership and you're now listening to the archives to understand what helped us get there. And hopefully along the way, since we've recorded this episode, no doubt you've listened to us tell some blinking and marvellous <laughs> stories um, what's your plans, JB, for the remainder of the week? I can guess where this is going, but let's pretend I don't know. Uh, well, lots more, lots more storytelling, uh, lots more web- webinars. Uh, my books arrive uh, this week. Uh, I've, I've got I've, I've probably about a hundred books, I think, arriving. What God knows what I'm going to do with them. Um, but anyway, they're arriving. I think I need to do some sort of promotion with them um, or something like that. I've got a little bit more kitcheny stuff to do, and I'd quite like to spend some time with my wife at some point. That would be nice. I'm definitely going to spend some time in the pub this weekend. Got some friends coming over. I'm going to light up the garden and have a great big fire, and hopefully don't burn my shed. Um, and that's the oh, there we are. I'm There's holding book. up my copy of JB's book, Rogers, yeah. Bradley, and Cool. I will, when we next meet, and either you bring that or I bring another copy for you and I'll sign it. Cool. And Yes. 
Yes, definitely. Nice, exciting. Sounds like you have a, a busy weekend ahead. And, and you're doing similar stuff because we've got quite a few webinars we're working on together. We've got, um, I've got the afternoon off tomorrow because um, it's ah. been so frantic this week. I've done three 16-hour days um, due to the time zones of all of our wonderful clients. We've had quite a lot on this week in a good way. So tomorrow afternoon off going to the beach um, down at Wittering, which is uh, south coast of the UK. Oh, nice. And nice, then I nice. believe I believe this evening, my wife has promised my oldest son, the 10-year-old, um, he loves meat. So she's bought some steak that he's asked if I can cook it on the barbecue. Um, they're off on Easter vacation holiday until next Monday. They go back to school then. And then football matches. Uh, so I'm just the taxi service for, I'm just dad taxi service. On Saturday, and then I believe on Saturday afternoon there is a royal funeral. That my wife, being a keen royalist, wants to make sure that the children and I sit and watch it. Which will be, I'm, I'm actually also quite looking forward to watching it, for you know, because it's an important, you know, for the children. They've not seen a royal death. My children haven't. You know, Diana was pre, pre birth of um, my oldest, so that's cool. our weekend. I used to sail a little thing called a fireball around West Wittering and Delkey and Itchener and Bosham, all that area. Used to whiz around in a very, very fast little um, sailing dinghy. Uh, there we are. Oh. So I'd share that with you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, thank you very much for listening, ladies and gents. You may um, please give us a five-star review if you're listening to us on the podcast providers. You can find us by searching Seedle, um on any podcast provider, of course. Um, look for the leadership one. And obviously, if you want to be in the live audience, go on to Seedle.com. Thank you for your time. I've been, oh, uh, it's right. uh, no, I've been Anthony Price. And so you have. And I've been Jonathan Bradley. And here's the question uh, that I think you need to ask yourself next time you're telling a story. What is the moral of my story? Bye-bye. <laughs>